Hello, Australia. Welcome to Wish You'd Known. It's a podcast for financial advisors who specialise in risk. Who else is it for, Danny? Well, it's for new entrants who are becoming or wanting to become insurance writer. And I don't think it's just Australia, it's New Zealand as well. Isn't it, Glenn, that we're yeah, speaking to now? Yeah, we've got a few now? Kiwis over there. Yeah. So thanks for writing in. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, today we're talking about kind of pivoting your brand because we know branding is very important. We know image is very important. And we're interviewing Phil Thompson, who actually changed his brand from being a holistic type of an advisor to risk only. And he engaged the uh, professional services of Jason Knight from Moved by Design, who also did the cover art for this podcast. So thank you to Jason. Yeah, look, I think branding, marketing, it's something that people know is important, but rarely when people are starting out, is it at the beginning of the must-do list? So hopefully this episode provides some insights as to you know when you should actually start considering getting a more formal marketing plan and what are the actual tangible and practical benefits of doing that and basically is it worth the spend? Totally. Now we can't do this podcast today without the help of One Path Zurich. We really want to do this podcast as an industry initiative. So thank you to One Path Zurich for really getting behind what we're doing here with Wish You'd Known. There's a link in the show notes if you want to check out uh, the Zone online education area. Danny, what can you find in the Zone online portal? So Zone is Zurich and OnePath's education portal, as you said, and it's all around ensuring that advisors have the tools to connect to clients and provide high quality advice. So a whole raft of stuff. I've given you a very um, aloof answer, Glenn, Mm. because there's so many different avenues within Zone. So we have a growth zone, we have a client zone, many different areas, and, and the information that you'll actually receive in Zone is dependent on what you require. Love it. Well, let's have a chat with uh, Jason Knight and Phil Thompson. Phil Thompson and Jason Knight, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I want to start with Phil. Before we ask Jason about the type of work he did with your business, what led you to the point where you wanted to invest into your brand and what the consumer first sees? Yeah. So I started the business as Thompson Financial Services. So it's an old school style name. um, And I always knew I wanted to change the name at some point in the future. Um, And so 2020, start of 2020 was a good time to to start the process. So I just wanted to completely change the name, change the brand, um, change the look and feel of the whole business. And was it something that you considered uh, doing yourself or... Did you know that you needed external help for one, the design factor or the clarity factor or two, just the time factor that you didn't have the time and the skill to do yourself? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, all of the above. Like, so I wanted the brand to be something that I kept for a long time. And so with the old brand, I just got a friend to design a logo and I picked the colors and it was super simple. Um, but I, yeah, I really wanted to invest in the brand and the name of the brand for a long time to come. Um, and I started from nothing. I just came with a kind of a blank slate saying, hey, I want to I want to change everything. Um, we want to change the look and feel of the business. We want to change everything. So it was pretty much I just needed help um, with the whole process from start to finish. And Phil, what were you most worried about? Like you're kind of embarking on this big change. What was the things that were sitting at the back of your head that were keeping you up at night with that process? Yeah, so I get, well, the main thing I, I, I do really 
appreciate and enjoy good design. When I look at other businesses, every time I look at another business, I'll judge their design and what the look of their business and their logos um, and just to see if it's consistent. So that was a, kind of a concern for me. I wanted to engage in someone who, first of all, kind of had runs on the board um, and, and designed some good stuff. And just making sure it all felt consistent and not like, you know, just going and paying, you know, someone to design a logo on, on a, you know, on Fiverr and then doing the rest myself, but making sure the whole brand uh, looked really consistent. So what I'm picking up there, Phil, is that you're pretty superficial, which is uh, good for (laughs) us all to know. Apart from obviously looking more schmick, which is great, what were you actually hoping to achieve out of it, like the whole brand redo? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the a logo is nothing if you don't have clients. Um, so it was about making sure that we were had a design and a feel for the business that spoke to the potential clients we want to speak to. So it's really important that, you know, at the end of it, where we come and our clients like it, our referral par- partners like it, and, and we're making more, more money um, off the new rebrand. Because yeah, I guess from... Looking at your brand now and what you've done, you're certainly speaking to a more specific type of who. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was skewing towards females because they're kind of more our ideal clients um, and they're the people we talk to, skewing towards younger clients. So our average age is 30. So making sure everything kind of was designed and aiming towards um, those type of clients and, and insurance only as well. So really speaking about insurance and that's all. Yeah, I might bring Jason in. You know, Jason, you speak to a lot of business owners. I think for me as a business owner, and I've kind of evolved and grown in this space, with branding, a lot of people think I just need a logo and that will solve all my problems. And for the riskies that are listening, it would be like someone coming to uh, your office and saying, hi, Phil, I need uh, $500,000 worth of death cover and I need some income protection. Can you sort that out for me? And Phil's probably like, whoa, 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 whoa. we need to look at risk analysis. We need to know uh, tax structure. We need, you know, there's 15 other things where the sum insured is that face thing that there's been all this work behind it. So back to you, Jason, how do you start to discuss and talk to business owners about the brand as an entity, not just a I'll jump online and pay $300 for a logo. Yeah, look, you, you've asked some great questions in there, Glenn. Um, I think the first point is to debunk the myth that a brand is a logo, um, which we all know is absolute rubbish. Like if, you know, you can buy Nescafe coffee from, from Coles for, let's just say, you know, $3 and that could probably last you two months or you could buy a, a, a cup of the finest coffee, Glen James, you know, and how, how much have you paid in, a, in, a, in an airport? You know, tw- uh, yeah. Yeah. $55. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just for a cup. Um, so a brand is many, is, is, is many things. There's, there's many things in it, but the easiest way to sum it up, I would suggest would be a reputation, your reputation. Um, and it, and it allows you to charge a premium and it um, and it allows people to follow and and um, be attracted to you um, in a in a I would say in an effortless way. Yeah, that's the probably the biggest part of of talking to to business owners um, is to debunk the myth that hey you just need a logo um, and off you go. The 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 real symmetry for me is the link or the the syncing between your visuals, your voice. 
and your and your audience. Um, so a big part of what I worked with with Phil is to understand his business goals, was to understand his audience and and those those avatars or, or you know who who his client base is, and then to align that with the creative, which was the visuals and the and the and the copywriting. So you were getting Phil to really hone in on who he would appeal to most palatably. Is that sort of what you're saying there, Jason? Yeah, spot on, yeah. So the part of the process um, after Phil engaged me was um, I call it a, a discovery session, but um, in the in the fancy Zurich world, that would be a strategy consultant, I, I guess. Um, but, but, yeah, so essentially... We like to be fancy. <laughs> essentially, it's a discovery session. So it's... Uh, way um, um, of, of ideation. Um, I ask, yeah, we, we ask lots of questions. Um, either jump on a whiteboard or, or, or fill in a fill in a um, keynote, you know, t- together. Persona. Yeah, exactly. Um, and essentially, yeah, as I said, it's to try to align Phil's background, um, what's worked for him, what hasn't worked for him, um, his audience, uh, and um, you know who they are, what they love. Um, where they are, um, because sometimes it's not even about creating a website. You know, if people live on podcasts or, or people live on socials, it's like, well, why invest ten thousand, twenty thousand, thirty thousand in, in in a website if people aren't even going to it? So yeah, it's really identifying who he is, what his audience is, and then and then aligning the creative um, to 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 sync with those things. Because I think probably within your world, Jason, there's. A- a knowledge that might not be as pervasive in our industry. And I think that what you're you're sort of speaking to is this knowledge that you have to appeal to someone. You have to know why what you do means something to a particular somebody. And I think it's worth going into, and I look, I'm going to completely butcher this, but, you know, it's Seth Godin who really talks around that today mass is a dead strategy. Like there's so much abundance that people have so many options that you actually do need to stand out and you really need to think about why your thing means something and who does it mean something to. So that whole work that you're doing, I guess, that you're describing, is that to really drill down and understand who that person is and what you can amplify to matter to them? Is that kind of that process that you're referring to? Yeah, 100% spot on. Exactly. If we just focus on uh, financial advice uh, for Melbourne, then you're competing with... 300, 3,000, 30,000 others rather than really dialing into um, really dialing into the, the exact um, clientele that, that, that really matches Phil. That you're going to resonate yeah. with. And I guess because this is, this is a real um, thing that I spend a lot of time within businesses and, and discovering what drives high performance within those businesses. And it's really interesting that in the past there was this – perception that we it's we need to do the one-stop shop for everyone and the businesses that are performing very very well are those businesses that have sat down and really thought about what they're doing and who they're doing for and what that person actually wants and I'd love your commentary Jason around the impact because I guess people there's a bit of a fear that if I go really niche I'm going to cut out people who I could deal with and I'd love to get your thoughts and also you know what you've seen in the um, flow-on effects Phil of the work that Jason's done with you to really drill down and get a bit more specific, has that resulted in, you know, losing clients or has that resulted in more traction? So, yeah, probably to you, Jason, that was a very illustrious yeah. question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who answered. Uh, I'll, 
I'll answer that with yes. Uh, um, the look, niching is hard. Um, niching is is I, I've been I've been um, struggling to do it in my business, um, but the benefit of it is enormous. Like, so. The benefit of it allows allows somebody to refer uh, uh, to refer exact an exact solution for someone. So rather than I'll oh, go and talk to my my finance guy, you know, you're a bit like nah, you know. Rather than um, rather than hey, I have a, a a specialist who just deals with millennials and they and they're dealing with this this and this. Um, all of a sudden, it's like oh damn, like I, I want to call them. Um, so the more that you can specialize, the more, the more that people can find you, first of all, online, um, it's a very cluttered world. And second of all, it's really easy to refer, uh, when, when, when that need comes up in someone's life. So Phil, you get a lot of your clients referred to you and your prospects referred to you. Some might say, oh, it's not worth actually, uh, spending on the brand because the clients are coming anyway. Have you noticed any type of uplift in uh, confidence and even conversions once the new brand has been uh, deployed out? Yeah. So for me, I mean, just the kind of following on from that question about niching as well, like niching is always really scary because you've got to say no to some people and you may be working with referral partners who send you clients that now don't fit your new niche on top of the fact that, you know, you may already have clients who you're working with who aren't in that new niche of yours as well, which I do. I've, you know, all three of those are true for me. Um, and so in terms of like the benefits of, of niching and being really clear on exactly who we talk to and, and, and how we do it, I mean, there's a whole bunch of like business like efficiencies um, that, that I won't even touch on, but just more the, the clarity of going to a referral partner and saying, these are the clients I work with. We only deal with insurance. So if you want to outsource your insurance um, part of your advice business, then we can partner together because I'm not going to take your investments or super clients and, and you don't want to deal with insurance anymore. So we're, we're going to be a great fit. Um, and, you know, accountants or, you know, even just like talking to anyone and just saying this is exactly what we do. We just do insurance and we help people, uh, you know, set up insurance. And the only thing we need to clarify is what the heck is, what the type of insurance we do. So we don't do general insurance, um, but that's the only bit of clarity that we need to provide. In the past, as Thompson Financial Services, I was a financial advisor. No one knows what that means. I also did everything for everyone. And so it was really difficult for a referral partner to know who a great fit for me was. But now, as long as someone has an insurance policy or wants an insurance policy, they know that they may be a good fit, especially if they're a younger client. Hey Phil, what did um, what did it do when the new brand um, kind of solidified that you were risk specialist, that you were, you know, loud and clear? This is what we do now. What did it do to your own personal and professional confidence? Yeah, good question. So we've only really just launched the brand, so it's is less at the moment. It's been less about the brand because we haven't done a a big loud launch, um, but just even just like that discovery session that we went through with Jace, just talking about, okay, these are the clients I really want to work with. Um, it just gave me the confidence just to basically go to anyone and everyone and say, we do work with these people and we don't work with these people. Getting on the phone to new leads and if they're not going to be a client for me, happy days. I'll send you, I'll introduce you to an advisor who will be a great fit, but I'm not that person. Um, and to be honest, like yesterday I had a phone call and I just was super blunt with someone who was a great advice client 
but just didn't want advice. I always just wanted like to pick up little bits and pieces of like tidbits, but never actually wanted advice. I was just like really blunt saying like, no, you actually need advice. I'm not going to charge you. I'm, you're not my client. So I don't, I've got no vested interest telling you to get advice, but you really do because your situation is complex and you want advice, but you're just afraid to go down that path. So actually just being able to like really champion advice for people who aren't going to be my clients just, you know, makes prospects and even people who aren't my clients just makes me super genuine in going, this is what you need, even if I'm not going to make any benefit out of it. That's awesome, Phil. And I think what I'm hearing there is you've got a lot more confidence and clarity in your service offering, but have you actually seen a contraction or expansion in like the amount of clients you're dealing with? Like, cause that fear is that I'll lose out on business. What's your experience been on that front? Like, are you doing less business? Yeah, we've had a huge, huge 2020. Um, so yeah, being, being clear with our referral partners before the brand launch, um, yeah, we, we grew, you know, 250% in 2020. Um, and so it was, yeah, a huge growth in business. And that's just because we were super clear with our referral partners. These are the people we want to talk to now and these are the people we don't. And so then we're just more front of mind when we have that specific client. And you can now go from Nescafe to Glenn's $55 blend. Yeah, I'm too much of a tight ass to go to the $55 blend. Now, Jason, a lot of business owners and advisors uh, might be listening uh, and I want to acknowledge that advisors might listen that have no control over the branding of the company they work for. Uh, and that might be a bit of a, a self-check, Danny, for like, is this a, a brand or is this a vibe that I want uh, for the medium or long term in my career? So maybe it is just a bit of a- Is there a, alignment with who I'm working yeah, with? Yeah, that's right. So there might be a bit of a, a check there. But for the self-employed business owners, Jason, who maybe haven't really ever done a brand, they've got a bit of a logo kit and and it's a bit of a DIY thing. Bit of Canva. Bit of Canva, which is fine, but I still suck at Canva. So <laughs> I need professional help. But what would you say as a bit of a, a brand audit or some points for people to look at to consider whether it is time to invest in the branding? Yeah, I, there's a couple of parts to that question. Um, I think that the most important part of branding is not the actual visual and verbal, although that's that's where the runs on the board is. I actually think it's the bit that Phil just talked about, which is the clarity and the confidence for you and and the people that know you to be like, this is what you solve and this is the people you solve it for. Uh, if you can articulate those two things, you you're already, I don't know, you know, 70% of the way there. Um, I think that the next part is then to look at your, um, look at the questions that you often get um, from your from your clients and, and start to address them in a, in a way of uh, a, a practical way. If, if they always ask you, hang on, I don't quite understand what the process is. Well, maybe it's time to engage someone to actually start to visualize that process or sketch it out so that it's it's clear in in front of mind for everybody but um i guess the audit is a, a simple matter of um where what are the touch points so the touch points are uh socials the touch points are email the touch points are phone the touch points are, are, are website um so the audit is is a simple matter of does this look like licorice all sorts um or does this look like some consistent a themed message 
um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's where it's going to resonate. And that's a really interesting point you make, Jason, because certainly when I speak to business owners in financial services, I often walk in the door and ask, who do you deal with? And the response is something along the lines of, oh, I deal with professionals in their 30s earning 100 grand or more. Then you walk into other businesses, and I'll give you an example. This is actually from Peter Diamatidis' business. And she said, oh, we actually help human hamsters get off the urn and burn money wheel. And for me, I viscerally felt something when she said that. And people often describe a demographic and you walk in an office and you go, great, I'm sure you do a good job, but that doesn't do anything for me. I haven't felt what you do. I don't feel the problem you're solving for me. So there just is no value. You know, as you said, there's just traffic and noise everywhere, options everywhere. So I wouldn't jump into that solution where someone's saying, well, we deal, we help these types of people. And I think, um, yeah, what you've sort of said there is really important that you've really got to connect with someone on an actual emotive level mm-hmm. rather than, you know, just the licorice all sorts kind of traffic approach of what you do, you know, maybe it's why why it's valuable and what problem you're solving for that particular audience. You're spot on and there's been a bit of a trend the last uh, couple of years to be more psychographic rather than rather than demographic, so more of the feelings and the thinking um, to, to, to a decision rather than, rather than the Hey, they fit my profile. That they're thirty. Um, they 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 have you know risk issues and, and this and this and this. So it's more like hey, they're in transit of, of life. They're they're feeling this and this and this. I solve that feeling by this and this and this. So um, that that's a whole different way of communicating to your audience where they're actually where you're where you're release where you're relieving stress from their life. And if you're relieving stress from their life, they're, they're going to trust you, and therefore they're going to contact you. And so perhaps for those um, for those advisors that are new to the industry, they maybe don't have a huge budget to spend on marketing. Would that kind of be where they should start a little bit if they've got that budget constraint in the marketing, really just sort of those are the questions that maybe they should look to answer? Yeah, totally. I would drill into, yeah, yeah really who they are and, and, and who they help. I mean, that, that, that's really it. And w- whether or not you've got a fl- flashy brand, I mean, Phil didn't even have a website before before he, he contacted me. But um, so, so look, you can easily run. And I've got other friends that are earning a ridiculous amount in, in the marketing world. They, they run all their world on social so that they don't have a website. So, um, yeah, I would start with the core message of who that who, who the advisor is and who and who they help and what, what do they actually solve. And then we start to align align that in terms of okay, are they are they do they do that in a humorous way? Do they do that in a knowledge way? Do they do that in a in a go into battle for their clients way? So I mean, they're called archetypes, but yeah, then we start to align the message in uh, you know in, in a bit of a theme and then and then roll that out. But knowing who you are and what you're about and and how you how you how you help the world, that's the most important part. And just in wrapping up, Jason, more of a um, a clinical type design question. Uh, Phil's website sky.com.au, S-K-Y-E. And it jump on and have a look, everyone. And I mean, even the logos around, you know, life cover, TBD cover, income protection, like how granular do you get uh, in that world? Like, are you drawing those from scratch based on the vibe or do you source stuff like i'm just more curious of how much work went into the brand yeah an enormous amount of work um, um is the yeah. short answer um it, it, it does depend so the big i guess i try to solve the 
the, the big bucket or the big idea and then drill down in, in, into the granular. So the big idea, mm. um, yeah, was this free-flowing, um, um, well, this vibe of happy, joy and, and, and connection. So then we pulled that into the brand assets. I call them brand assets. Um, so they, they are some of the squiggles and some of those um, playful, playful items. Some of them are... Uh, stock, which we've then, um, which we've then taken and customised. So yeah, um, so it, it all varies. Uh, but yeah, the the intent is not to start with the logo or start with the graphics. The intent is to start with what what does Phil solve, and then pull that idea, or pull that that big idea into into the the visual and verbal communication. Yeah, and a lot a lot of that and stuff did come from like that archetype work that we originally did where. A part of that conversation was my business is like we we don't, you know, what we do is really important, but the way we do it isn't stuck up. So we kind of that archetype stuff is we are irreverent. We are, you know, professional but irreverent. And so that, you know, three, four, five months later led into those design decisions of going, let's make it squiggly instead of like, you know, straight, sharp lines because we are more irreverent, more playful as a, as a business. And it also leads into the way our, me and my team communicate with our clients. Our emails is not very super professional. It's more relaxed. Um, and so it did lead into a lot of those design decisions. So, Phil, you've been in business now many years, but I would like to know now that you've gone through the process when would you think is a great time to really think about this brand identity? Like imagine you were now starting out again. When do you think someone should do this work? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's easy to say as early as possible. I think, you know, when I first started in business, I wanted to work with different people over time. I thought, you know, retirees was great. So I tried to do that and then realised that I don't connect very well with retirees. I mean, I connect well because I think I'm their grandson, but um, but that's about it. Um, but they disown you. Yeah, so like, you know, s- single female seven-year-olds love me um, and adore me. Um, <laughs> and so that worked really well, but the work I was doing was kind of a, I didn't feel as passionate about it. So it kind of took a few years in business to realise who I wanted to work with. Um, but probably once I was like a few years in, I really wish I started niching um, into who who I wanted to work with and then, decided to do a full rebrand then. So maybe three years into business would have been ideal for me, if not very at the very beginning. I, I, I 100%, most of my clients are between three, th- yeah, between three to five years. They need to get some runs on the board and not just come in and say, oh, we want to be the next Apple or we want to be the next Mercedes-Benz. It's like, yeah, you're working from your cupboard, you know, your, your basement. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not Mercedes-Benz. Um, um, so, yeah, let's get some runs on the board, get some truth points. Um, and and then and then drill down into into really who you are and what you're about. Yeah, I, I invested in my brand when I had my practice uh, with Jason, I think at the three or four year mark. So yeah, like because I knew what I was about, we really got a rhythm of what we were doing and I wanted to increase my prices and I basically did that on launch of the new brand and the amount of professional confidence that I got from that brand that it was solid and it looked good and it felt good. Mm. Uh, I think I would encourage anyone to um, to invest the dollars. And I guess the two or three year benchmark 
gives you some time for it to feel authentic as well and it works if confidence is a really important part of this process. You want, you want to feel like um, you are working with the right people. Yeah, and there's no, there's no BS. It's, it's actually truth points. Like we, we're, we're, I guess we're putting that truth in, into those solid rocks, you know, in, in your life. It's like actually, you know what, I don't work with retirees. That process is crap. I work with this and this and this and, and this, is, this is now a truth point. So we hero that. And in those truth points, um, are there any ones that are really powerful that you leverage, Jason, with businesses? Like I certainly know, and I could be talking smack, but like I certainly think that from a test, like when I see testimonials from businesses and they do a really good job of promoting how they've helped other people, that's really powerful because you're building trust before someone's even walked in your office. What are the couple of proof points that you think are really powerful that people should be leveraging from an identity and a branding perspective? Yeah, look, testimonies and case studies are are really, really um, well. They're probably some of the easiest things to do and and the most powerful. Um, so, video case studies would probably be the most um, the most effective. Um, video, it's a, it's a medium that people can see you, can feel you, can, can get your vibe instantly. And um, if, if you then mix into that, that, that world a case study of the, the retirees, you know, who, who are camping and, and, how, and how you've helped solve their problems, that, that becomes a, a very, a very truth point and really easy for someone to share, um, you know. You can, so, so that's... That's some things. The challenge a little bit is that sometimes, you know, we, we are fickle and we don't we don't believe all those um, testimonials. It's easy to write some stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would start with video. Video is probably the most powerful medium um, to, to share um, testimonies and case studies, in my opinion. And I have one, you know, we're going to start wrapping up, but I've got one final question for you, Jason, in a very noisy world and this came from the my risk advisor group but in a very noisy world what is the most impactful thing someone can do to stand out from a branding perspective like what are the things that aren't being used to death Mm. um i read a book recently um advised by glenn james uh called make made to stick or make to stick glenn yeah, made to stick. Yeah, and one of the pieces, um, so they've got a, a five-point philosophy, and one of them um, was around, um, I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but um, debunking a, a mental model or, or debunking a, a, a myth. So I, so so maybe it's with, um, maybe it's, it's with advice and the mental model might be um, working your whole life, um, Working your whole life so you can retire well um, is a lie, you know. So, so I guess the way to stand out is to create a uh, friction, a tension, um, and rather than saying the same thing as everybody else, do the do the zag, do the different. And the easiest way would be to to confront a a, a truth. So, my world, a known truth. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, hey, we don't design logos. Sparks um, and curiosity. You know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, a logo doesn't help you succeed. It's actually your, your reputation. You know, a better version of that. Um, but, yeah, coming coming to the world with uh, a, a like, whoa, you know, I, I didn't know that is, is a very powerful way. Interesting. I think Phil actually worked out that he can't sell insurance to a 75-year-old. That was the catalyst. That's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Making I'll, the deviation. With, with old folks. 
<laughs> Suddenly, his business just went through the roof. Those yeah. cases started completing. Yeah, we had a few. Uh, we had a few claims early on in Phil's uh, retirement business. He kept, he kept complaining about um, Zurich and One Path underwriting. I was like, Phil, yeah. you got to bring us someone under eighty. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> hey guys, this has been great. Any final words from you, Phil? Um, just, just go and work on your branding. Like it's it's. Mm. It's an investment and it's not this one thing. Like, Danny, your last question was like, what's this one magic, you know, pill that people can swallow? It's not. Like, business never works like that. Just like advice never works like that. We can't just tell someone to, you know, stop spending less than they earn and magically they're going to be really wealthy. It doesn't work like that. You've got to continue to invest in these things just like everything else in your business. So, just just start and then keep, keep going. Keep iterating. What a great point, Phil. I really like that. And Jason, we didn't actually ask you before we pressed record, but I trust if anyone wants to reach out and just have a preliminary discussion, uh, you'd be open to that. Have you got capacity to talk to advisors at the moment? Yeah, I um, I really enjoyed uh, the I really enjoyed the, the process with working with financial advisors in regard to that they often come from a very clinical point of view. So by by adding some heart and some some emotion and and uh, into their communication, it really lifts um, their their selling ability and 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 their communications to to clients. So yes, it's a short answer. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, Danny. Yeah. Thanks, team. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Jason. Cool, thanks, Glenn. Thanks, guys. And. Uh, if you're listening and you found this episode uh, thought-provoking, why not send it to a colleague? All right, guys, we'll see you next episode on Wish You'd Known. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. If you are in the advice world and you've made it this far, my question to you is, who can you forward this episode to? Thank you so much for listening. This was made possible because of My Risk Advisor. You can head over to the Facebook group, My Risk Advisor, and join in on the conversation. Hold up. 